0: Her dad actually became a Catholic priest after watching The Exorcist 72 times.
1: Wow. I don't think I can go on with this episode now.
0: (laughs) You're here with me, Andrea. Me, Annabelle. And this is the Boundless Book Club, the podcast where we read the best books by the best female authors of our time. Did you know that in 1991, the Booker Prize shortlist didn't include a single female writer?
1: Are you asking me or are you asking the listeners? I'm asking you. I'm asking you. Uh, I did not know that, no.
0: Well, if you're wondering, uh, that was actually not an accurate statistical representation of The general pool of writers and the the Booker Prize jury hadn't even realized so it wasn't until the media said hold on where are all the women this year that they even noticed that there weren't any so a group of journalists and reviewers and agents and booksellers and publishers and librarians all got together and to talk about this and to discuss you know was this important and and yes they thought it was Um, And what could we do about it and so on. So that's the origin story for the Women's Prize for Fiction, which right now we are counting down the days and we're reading all the books. So there were 16 books to start with. Now there are six. Who is going to be left standing and crowned the winner? Annabelle, could you give us a rundown of which books are left on
1: the shortlist? Of course I can. Okay, so... Uh, this is completely off the top of my head. I'm not reading off of any piece oh, of course. paper. Uh, so we have Transcendent Kingdom by Yagiyasi. We have No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. Piranesi by Susanna Clarke. The Vanishing Half by Brit... Ble- blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the Vanishing Half by Brit Bennett. How the One-Armed Sister Sweeps Her House by Sherry Jones. And Unsettled Ground by Claire Fuller. And out of those... If you were only allowed to recommend one book,
0: which one would you choose?
1: Well, caveat that I haven't read all of them, okay? But of the ones that I have read, Piranesi by Susanna Clarke. I won't shut up about this book, and I'm now is not going to be any exception. Piranesi by Susanna Clarke, if you read one book this year, please read Piranesi. I, I am worried that I have overhyped it now, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't think.
1: Um, yeah. So uh,
0: give us the one line summary.
1: Okay, sure. So Piranesi, what is it about? So aside from someone referred to as the other, title character Piranesi is the only inhabitant of a labyrinthine, labyrinthine and statue-filled house so vast it even has weather systems and tides. And as you can imagine, a lot of unanswered questions and intrigue. And the opening line... I will give you now. When the moon rose in the third northern hall, I went to the ninth vestibule to witness the joining of three tides. Andrea, do you have many questions about this book? I have many questions about this book. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. It was one of those it's one of those books where trying to talk about it is a little bit difficult because the highlight of the book and i think what sets it apart is just the general feeling you have when you read it or listen to it as i did um i highly recommend you get the audiobook uh, narrated by Chiwetel Ejiofor it's it's phenomenal um it's just that's the highlight is you feel that you have so many unanswered questions and you go on this journey with Piranesi as he's sort of writing his diary entries and figuring things out and noticing Things that are amiss, you know, there are human remains in the house, but he isn't perturbed by it. He, they've, he's been in the house so long that they've become his friends. And he 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 loves where he lives. The house is essentially his world. He knows nothing outside of it. But as a reader, you have all of these questions that he eventually catches up with um, as to why he's there and what is the house. Um, and it's just this masterclass in pacing and mystery.
0: Okay that sounds um, kind of vague and opaque and (laughs) unknowable. Do you have the answers by the end of the book?
1: Yes you do. Could you tell us Mm. something about the author? I can and you will love this. Okay so Susanna Clarke, a lot of people know her as the author of uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr Norrell which is about 800 pages as a total doorstop of a book and then it took her 10 years before she wrote this one now who are her are her literary influences because she's quite a unique writer so apparently she's claimed jane austen is her favorite writer because she got as close to perfection as anyone can but she's also influenced by charles dickens neil gaiman tolkien alan moore and buffy the vampire slayer <gasps> I, <laughs> I knew you'd love this. So she what she said about this was she said of the show that it's not perfect. The plots often creak, don't we know it? But the dialogue is wonderful and the characterization is almost as good. And I think I completely agree with her on all those counts. Absolutely. That is fantastic. So yeah, that's Piranesi I've given you a lot, but also nothing at all. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which, is, which is what the blurb does. So good luck. Uh, let me know how you get on. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, so, what about you? What's What's your favourite book on the list? So, out of the ones
0: I've read, I I've thought quite a lot about it because I I like all of them, which is quite unusual. But they're they're all wonderful books. But I think I'm gonna have to go with The Vanishing Half as my favourite because it's the one I've just enjoyed reading the most. It's just like a really great story and this is a story this my very brief synopsis Desiree and Stella are identical twin sisters they're practically sharing one identity but all of that ends when Stella decides to leave her sister her life her identity behind to live as a white woman which she does not even tell her white husband about and then uh, it, it just the 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 story carries on across two timelines and um Mm. and it's 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 a wonderful book she's just a really wonderful storyteller and I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the first line um which gives you a feel for for the book the morning one of the lost twins returned to Mallard lou lebron ran to the diner to break the news and even now many years later everyone remembers the shock of sweaty lou pushing through the glass door chest heaving neckline darkened with his own effort and i think um i don't know there's something just really wonderful about that that says a lot about like the small type of town that they came from which you know if you are a city person you can already see why you would want to leave that as a teenager and uh and also the, the you know the shock of of her someone actually returning to that and there are a lot of really flawed characters in in this story that are you know if you were a more vicious writer you might have written them in a really different way but I really love how Britt Bennett is so generous with them she kind of there's never any pointing fingers or any guilt or you know any any kind of judgment in how she shows the many sides of all these people she kind of allows people to be who they are and you know their products of their families and their backgrounds and their environment and the time that they were in and also Mm. their own choices so that's really beautiful and it's a—it's just a really lovely exploration of the the many reasons why somebody might want to become somebody else, mm. which I think a lot of people have at some point considered, and, and and also what you lose if you do become that other person. So that's the vanishing half. What else have we got? Yeah,
1: we can't dwell on our favorites uh, completely as much as we would like no. to. Let's talk about the other ones. What's your next one? So my next one is Transcendent Kingdom oh, by yes. Yagiyasi. This one, I had no idea going into this what to expect at all. And I think a lot of people reading Transcendent Kingdom will be familiar with her first book, Homegoing, which by the way, she wrote when she was 26 and it won all sorts of awards. So Homegoing is historical fiction. And this is Transcendent Kingdom is completely different. It's quite short. Uh, It is set in modern day. And if I'm going to describe this in one line, PhD student Gifty researches addiction in mice while wrestling with the death of her brother from an opioid addiction. And also deals with her mother visiting from Ghana who has depression, but faith only in God um, and not in traditional medicine for curing mental illness. And family tension ensues.
0: I love it how you were like, I need to mention all these things. I'm going to put them in one sentence and just use use and a lot. Yes, Uh, I'm glad that you appreciated that. (laughs) It must have taken a lot of effort.
1: So I'll read you the opening line as well, which I've got here. Whenever I think of my mother, I picture a queen-sized bed with her lying in it, a practiced stillness filling the room. For months on end, she colonized that bed like a virus. The first time when I was a child, and then again when I was a graduate student. And that's how it begins. That's a great line. It is a great line. One of my favourite quotes, though, is this one, and I wanted to read this to you. If I've thought of my mother as callous, and many times I have, then it is important to remind myself what a callous is. The hardened tissue that forms over a wound. Fantastic. It's so good. So that's, I mean, the highlight, it seems like a cop-out to say this, but the highlight for me for Transcendent Kingdom was just the writing throughout. She talks about such, like, as you can tell from my one-liner, she talks about a lot in a short space of time, but it's still quite succinct. You have a very clear picture of the tension in all of these family relationships. They're not likable characters. It feels like you've been granted access to an actual family living in Alabama and, you know, all of the, all of the problems and, and, and frustrations of the, of their life. When this came up in book club, it's actually top tip. This is a great book to discuss in book club generates a great discussion. We'd also talked about burnt sugar, which was on the long list for the women's prize as well. And a lot of similarities came up with that in terms of the mother-daughter relationship being such a fraught one. So if you liked Burnt Sugar, I think you would also really like Transcendent Kingdom. Great.
0: Is there anything you want to add about the author or the book to encourage people to read it?
1: I think what I'd say is from the description of Uh, description that I've just given you and the description online like me you might be kind of put off or weighed down by the idea of all of this trauma and tragedy but it is so much more than that because of the way that it's written and it seems like quite a heavy subject and it is but something about Yagiyasi's writing makes it accessible and just It's actually quite a pacey read. So it doesn't feel like you're slogging through a description of family trauma. It's it's so much more than that. Um, And there's some really lovely moments as well where she gets attached to one of the mice that that she's uh, using for her research. And there's uh, one of the PhD students that she she works with as well that she has a good relationship with. So there's great dialogue in there as well. Um, In terms of author trivia, I think what I'd say is as with Gifty, she was also a student at Stanford. Um, she also was an immigrant. So she moved from Ghana to Alabama. Like she grew up in Huntsville as well. So she has a lot in common with the character, character's background um, that she's writing.
0: I've, I'm probably about halfway through it at this point. And I would agree with that, that it's a pacey read. So it's, and it, even though it's heavy Heavy topics. That, like you said, I, 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 hundred percent support that it's not a heavy, a difficult read. If we skip to the next one on the list,
1: mm.
0: I'd like to talk about "No One Is Talking About This" by Patricia <laughs> Lockwood. irony. Yeah, <laughs> irony. Everyone's talking, but <laughs> let me do my one-line summary. Okay. It is a fragmented tale in two parts about a young influencer who lives her entire life extremely online until a real IRL as they say devastating <laughs> offline tragedy rips her out of the portal as which is what she calls the the internet and that is that's my one liner okay and it really is a tale like two parts to this story and um, I'll read you the first the first line. She opened the portal and the mind met her more than halfway inside. It was tropical and snowing and the first flake of the blizzard of everything landed on her tongue and melted.
1: Ooh.
0: Yeah. And the first part of the book, like a good, good chunk you are spending in in the language of the internet. It's like reading Twitter, it's really fragmented. And a lot of it is, you know, like memes. It's meme on meme on meme. Our our unnamed protagonist is living with irony poisoning. After she rose to prominence as an influencer with a tweet, can a dog be twins? Which has re- reached the state stage of penetration (laughs) where teenagers posted the cry face emoji at her. So the internet is like this place where she's, she is perpetually suspended between amusement and horror. And uh, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yes. It's for, for, I think for a couple of generations, a lot of things are really relatable. There's a a bit in there where she talks about having a shower Mm -hmm. And she washes her legs because, you know, she doesn't want to be one of the people who didn't wash their legs. And I remember that being a thing on the Internet. I don't know if you did. Yes. Yeah. So it's like all this real stuff that has just like cascaded past us. That's nonsense. And she's picked up the bits that resonate and put them in this book. And I've got a few fragmented bits that I wanted to bring to you. Capitalism with an exclamation mark. (laughs) It was important to hate it, even though it's how you got your money. Slowly, slowly, she found herself moving towards a position so philosophical, even Jesus couldn't have held it, that she must hate (laughs) capitalism, while at the same time loving film montages set in department stores.
1: I mean, it's so spot on. I know. I gotta say, I really
0: like this book, but I think a lot of my friends struggle with it because I made Mm. them read it. And, um, and I think the disjointedness of the first half is it's somewhat lacking in narrative drive. And, and if you, you know, you don't really know where it's going and then it just hits you like a speeding truck slams into you when you get to the second part. And it's so upsetting and beautiful and human.
1: So you can't tell us what the thing is that happens. Like we have to discover that because it's a big part of the kind of the impact of the book. I think it's
0: it's on the back of the blurb. I think it says that her sister is pregnant and she gets a text message from her mum saying, uh, how soon can you get here? There's something wrong. Oh, And then she she finds herself obviously in this horror of a real life tragedy then she's asking herself, you know if all she was was funny then what was she when there was nothing fun about the situation
1: oh wow that's i want to read this now i think you should fun fact about the
0: author fun fact about the author her it relates to her previous book, which is a mm. memoir it's called pre-study and. Her dad actually became a Catholic priest after watching The Exorcist 72 times. So he seems a bit eccentric. And in her memoir, it's all about how she and her husband moved back home to live with her parents. I thought that was absolutely phenomenal. Like for that to be the reason to become a priest, I I don't even I don't even know.
1: Wow. Wow. Did you say se- 72 times? Yes,
0: 72 times. I don't even think I've watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer 72
1: times. I mean, come on now, Andrea. Okay, fine, I have. But, you know, <laughs> it's Buffy. <laughs> um, that is excessive. A little bit, some might say. Wow. Yeah. I don't think
0: I can go on with this episode now. Um <laughs> So should we move on to
1: swiftly on to the next book
0: in our lineup? Claire Fuller's Unsettled Ground.
1: Ah, yes. So I know nothing about this except for the fact that it's got a flowery cover.
0: Yes, yes, it does. And it is completely different from um, the other books I mentioned. The one line summary, 52 year, sorry, 51 year old twins. Jeannie and Julius still live with their mother Dot in rural isolation and extreme poverty until Dot passes away and the life that they have always known crumbles both in a practical sense that they face eviction and homelessness but also in a fundamental existential way as they discover that their mum has been keeping secrets and things are not adding up. And it is... uh, Beautifully written story that grows on you. Um, The first line, uh, actually the first two lines, go like this: "The morning sky lightens and snow falls on the cottage. It falls on the thatch, concealing the moss and the mouse damage, smoothing out the undulations, filling in the hollows and slips, melting where it touches the bricks of the chimney." Um, So even in the first couple of words, you get a sense of the, the the poverty that they are living in and it's quite shocking to me this book in how in modern day England there are people who actually live like this they are so close to the bone when it comes to everything they you know grow vegetables in the garden they he uh, Julius does odd jobs that pay by the hour um and they are you know they are so close to homelessness and it's not due to addiction or a life of crime or doing anything wrong. It's just that they're, they're just poor. They're just poor. And the kind of jobs that they can do don't come with benefits and sick pay and, and that sort of thing. And these characters are my favorite type of characters. They're flawed and they're stubborn and they're foolish and they're strong and they're capable and they're all these things and very proud and they've lived, you know, they're 51 years old. They're, they're properly grown people who've never left home because of one fundamental fact, which is that Jeannie has a heart condition. That means that she can't exert herself and she needs to be looked after and she couldn't finish school because she, you know, she had to be careful about things and walking all that way to school was too far and so on and then um right at the start this, the book starts with dot dying their mom dying and right at the start you get a sense that maybe what they think about this situation isn't actually true
1: okay well I'm gonna I haven't even read it yet but I'm gonna say that she's made up the fact that she has that condition to keep her at home I'm going to go out on a limb, and that's my suspicion. I think that's a fairly good guess based on the first chapter. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. um, it's 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 beautiful. It's not something that I probably would have ever picked up if it hadn't been on the shortlist of the Women's Prize for Fiction, which is one of the beauty of the prizes. I think, like I really trust the Women's Prize because it's quite rare that I like so many books on a long list um, mm. and on the shortlist that you know I I would read things because they are on the list. And this is one of those things. And an interesting fact about Claire Fuller is that she became a writer later in life. And she began her career as an artist, as a sculptor of physical materials. Um and now she sculpts her words into art. Which Oh that's really cool. Okay. It's lovely I like that. So that's Claire Fuller. Recommended to anyone who can who can enjoy the sort of I think anyone who likes Shugy Bane, which won the Booker Prize last year. If you like Shugy Bane, I feel like this is something for you, perhaps. Beautiful story of hardship. And uh, now we only have one book left on the list.
1: Okay, so this is a book that I haven't read, but I very much want to from the blurb. So this is How the One-Armed Sister Sweeps Her House by Sherry Jones. So here's here's essentially what it's about. In Baxter's Beach, Barbados, Lala's grandmother, Wilma, tells the story of the one-armed sister. It's a cautionary tale about what happens to girls who disobey their mothers and go into Baxter's tunnels. When she's grown, Lala lives on the beach with her husband, who is a petty criminal with endless charisma, whose thwarted burglary of one of the beach mansions sets off a chain of events with terrible consequences. So it's about a woman torn between two worlds, incapacitated by grief, and men driven into the tunnels by desperation and greed. It sounds great, and I can't wait to read it. I think it's got, um,
0: from what I've read about it, it's got like... Four, I think three or four really strong female characters who are all different generation, different situations, circumstances, who have different attitudes towards this cautionary tale as well.
1: Um, Mm.
0: And it's set in Barbados. Let's do it. It's time to do the prediction. Look into your crystal ball and tell me who is going to win.
1: Piranesi, Susanna Clark. Oh, Interesting. I mean, it um, might not, but I want it to. So I'm yeah. just putting it out into the universe.
0: I think, although I think all of the ones that I've read are great, I think I think The Vanishing Half has the star quality of a winner.
1: That's all for today. Please send us your predictions on social or ping us an email. We'll be back in two weeks to talk about the Literary Kids of America just in time for the 4th of July celebrations. Until then. Goodbye, farewell, Alvida Zaim. Ma'salam.